Hello, Once, Matt. twice, three times a lady. Are we in? Did we get it done? I think we got it done. Oh, my gosh. We did it. That is exciting. You know, they say the first one's the hardest. Uh, you know, what would it be without uh, season one, episode one, having some glitches at the start? You know? this, is the, this is the pitch episode, you know, the one that yeah. everybody banks on, you know? So you got to start out with a little confusion to keep people on their toes, you know? Well, that's why you get to meetings, you know, 15 minutes early or else you're late, you know? Oh, 15 minutes. That, that's pushing it for me. I feel like I'm late at 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, my brother told me that once. He said, uh, what is it, like 30 minutes early is early, 15 minutes early is on time. Anything after that, you're late. That's true, because if you, if you get there before the other person gets there, the biggest thing I like to get there first is I like to scope out a spot. You know, got to have a good yeah. spot in the, in the coffee shop or wherever we're meeting. But at, at these days and age, you know, Tony, I always got a prime time spot right in front of my computer, you know, right at my desk. You know, my kitchen's in the other room. So, you know, Zoom now, if you show up 15 minutes early, you might as well show up six weeks early. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been late to a few Zoom calls lately when I'm working from home, which is really just, I mean, completely inexcusable. But you know, traffic, think, you know. <laughs> I think we're all a little tired of the of the Zoom calls by now, though. I, I, I think we're we're ready to get back out there as safely and as uh, carefully as possible. I agree. I think the, the, the back to back Zooms are really what get me where I should try to max as much as I can. And, you know, given two hours because I can when I sit in front of my computer for you know X amount of time, I have to get up and move around. And I think that's for me, that's the biggest challenge is I'm used to walking from meeting to meeting, you know, seeing people out in the street, saying hello, you know. Uh, yeah. now it's just like, all right, thumbs up, wave, bye-bye, uh, red <laughs> button and logging in the next one. Hey everybody, how about the weather? Those Philly stink, you know, and pull a string now, out of your head. Yeah. Now you just walk around your neighborhood like a deranged person and uh, oh, yeah. just, just wave to people. <laughs> you know, is, I think good. I did, I did feel that sense of community, uh, in the very beginning of this where everybody was checking in on each other. You know, that was, that was the best part. Now everyone's like, Hey, how you doing? Uh, same, same day, you know, Groundhog Day. <laughs> Well, actually, when we were, you know, we moved into our house about five years ago, and, and my wife said to the realtor was, I want to be in a friendly neighborhood where people politely wave at one another, but I don't want people baking me a pie and bringing it over to my house and whatnot, you know? Yeah, there's a nice distance between. <laughs> yeah. Let's have the appropriate amount of interaction, please, in the neighborhood. So. Well, I've, I've mastered, Tony, I don't want to, like, toot my own horn or anything here, but I have mastered the golf cart driving, you know, one hand, minimal eye contact, half smile <laughs> wave, you know? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, when you're past somebody, just give that little nod forward. Hey, how you doing, Sally? You know, and then <laughs> keep it moving. Very true. Very true. You got to you got to get those things down during COVID. It's Absolutely. I'm pumped to be on your first podcast. This is going to be great. I'm excited. Yeah, I really appreciate you joining. Um, excited to get this started. I've been thinking about this for a long time. And, uh, you know, figured, hey, man, it's just time to do it. I've been thinking about it long enough. I could overthink it all I want and uh, try to plan for it super carefully. But then I'll just wind up never doing it. So, And guess you know, what? While, while we're in somewhat of a state of, uh, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm almost back to normal now. And certainly in terms of workload, I feel like I, I might be as busy as I've ever been. But I felt like it was important to, to make the time and, and to make this happen. So I've. Really appreciate you being season one, episode one guest of the No Code podcast. Mr. Matt Blank, Director of Business Development for Friedman LLP. Very happy to have you, my friend. 
I'm very happy to be here, my friend. And I agree with you. I think, you know, when you try something new, you know, what's the worst thing that happens is you tried it. And now we have a we have a hilarious yet meaningful and valuable conversation that we can forever look back on as we get old. We can we can share it amongst each other if it never sees the light of day. But uh, I have a feeling we'll get it out there somehow. So I know I know one Christmas gift I'm going to get you in a couple of years will be a cassette recording of this of this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> and you got to find the cassette player to play it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll that'll be wonderful. I, I'll really appreciate that thoughtful gift, and and really is more of an assignment of how do you find a cassette player. So, how many how many Pearl Jam cassettes do you still have? Oh wow, I definitely have a few. Um, so I I guess it was two thousand. I want to say four or five. Um, I got a newish car, but for some reason it had a tape deck where like my last car didn't. And mm. and I stopped into a CD store one day and went towards the back, and they still had a big wall of tapes for like a dollar a piece, and or two bucks. It was something crazy cheap. And I went back there and I cleaned up on tapes, and from like oh five to oh eight or nine, however long I had that car, I was rolling with tapes. You know what? That's a great story. <laughs> That's a great story. Did Everybody's you have also the? Popping in Did the you... car and be like, what are you doing with these tapes? I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know. Trying something something new that's old, you know? Something retro, new, old. Yeah, yeah. You would have blew I'm their sure. mind if you pulled out the cassette tape that turns your, your portable CD player into oh, a yeah. car CD player. With, with the wire? Oh, that was, yeah. that was, that was legendary. But uh, it is funny that you mentioned Pearl Jam because that is, uh, uh, for those of you out there who don't know, I'm a, I'm a weirdo mega Pearl Jam fan. I've... I've seen him about 30 times in concert, which is kind of ridiculous. But um, uh, the podcast is called No Code because that is actually the title of Pearl Jam's fourth album. Um, And what it means to me really is that, you know, there's no template um, to how to live your life or achieve success in business or or personally. You know, everybody's got a unique story that's that's very uh, individual to them. And everyone sort of has their own secret sauce that's successful in, in business or in life. And, you know, I really feel that way about you. And I thought that was important to sort of find a way to represent what this podcast is. It's, it's, you know, it's talking to people in my network and, and it doesn't have to be those that are, you know, CEOs or, or, you know, private equity folks that have made a ton of money. It's, it's more the unique people that have an interesting path in life and, uh, you know, a very creative and, and innovative way of how they, you know, go about their, their life, whether, you know, personally or in business. And, uh, and I, I kind of drew some inspiration from it recently. Did you, uh, were you as much of a nerd as I was about the Michael Jordan 10 part documentary? Uh, I watched it opening night and I was in my couch five minutes before the next, you know, episode for, those eight that was a good that was getting your mind off a lot of beginning quarantine stuff so yeah i absolutely watched every single one i mean between that and tiger king they pretty much couldn't have timed those things any better than that yeah prime time (laughs) drop spot right there (laughs) but uh but i i watched it and i i kind of picked it up a little late i i I don't know for whatever reason i didn't get into it while i was on tv i actually watched all 10 parts on my phone through uh the espn app but um you know, I got to the 10th episode and the very last song uh, that played over, you know, kind of the ending 
monologue of of Jordan and Phil Jackson and others was a Pearl Jam song called Present Tense that is on the No Code album. And, you know, a lot of what they said about Jordan was that he had the greatest ability that most people have ever seen of living in the moment, living in the present tense and having that ability to really, you know, not dwell on past failures, not fear what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, I thought about calling this podcast present tense, but I thought, you know, of that album that it's on no code kind of had a, maybe a more kind of overarching appeal. But to me, that also is, is super important in, you know, being successful is, is living in the moment. I think we can all kind of become our own worst enemies at times. And, and, you know, it's always helpful to sort of just be present and be mindful of what's going on um, at that particular point in your, in your life or career, you know, have, have you ever felt that that has, you know, kind of helped you in any way in, in what you do? Uh, Every day. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head, but what's the most important thing to me is time. And, you know, we're, 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 this isn't a dress rehearsal. I heard somebody once told me, you know, like, blank, <laughs> blank, live your life the way you're going to, because this isn't a dress rehearsal, you know, and I, and I look at, I look at it a couple of ways. Like, you know, we only are allotted, you know, X amount of times to go around the sun, right. In our life. Right. So let's just say, you know, we were lucky enough to get it to our eighties. Right. So every part of life is, is changing. It's a different chapter in life. So how do you be more present? one of my coach actually helps me out. One of his slogans is, uh, slow down to speed up. And it gives a couple of references of, you know, if you look at a NASCAR driver that, you know, in order for them to win on the straightaway, they got to slow down on the corner so they get a better shot on the straightaway. Or in football, you know, a a tailback is going to slow down behind the line to let the block start to produce for themselves. So then they speed up and then they hit the hole. So for me, if I were to put this in an image, because this is something I'm thinking about. So a little funny, fun fact about me, Tony, I only have one tattoo. okay? Okay. And. That tattoo was was uh, put on my body on the day of my 18th birthday, and it's one of those like Celtic designs that you have no idea what it is, but because Pop's Tattoo Parlor had it said pride within your family, that's exactly what that means. So that's on my right arm as we speak. And I'm thinking of a new of a new tattoo, and the, the tattoo I'm thinking about is is a, is an hourglass with the the very uh, like portion of the, the the very funnel of the hourglass centered in on. Uh, where every single sand that drops down in that hourglass is that present moment in time. And if you could just focus your, all your energy on what's happening right here, uh, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely going to make t- life slow down for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's all we really have control over is, is what's going on right now. We can't change the things that have happened in the past, and it's pointless to worry about what's going to happen in the future. I mean, of course, you, you plan. You, you know, you set you set goals for yourself You think about you know what you have to do during the week what do you want to accomplish in the month or year but if you spend too much time just sort of stuck on hey what's going to happen i mean that's that's sort of the definition of anxiety right there is that is that fear of uh or, or you know kind of overly focusing on what it, what else what is going to happen you know well i absolutely i i have you know a little bit of anxiety just from different uh, you know, portions of my career that I've been in as far as uncomfortable situations. And I think that once you live that situation, now you know what the reality looks like to live it. And anxiety is formed when you don't know what the outcome is going to be and, you, and your body prepares for the worst case scenario, which creates mm-hmm. that, physical, that physical reaction in your body. Yeah, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's a future outcome that has not happened yet. Right. It could that not fight happen. or flight response where yeah. you, know, you get that, 
that nervousness, the sweating, the uh, the shaking. You know, we've all been there. Everybody's had some form of anxiety at some point. Totally, totally. And, and some more than others. But, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's uh, that's that's definitely relevant. And, you know, sp- speaking of the present tense and, and maybe for you the very near future, um, I think you and your wife, Kristen, have something right around the corner coming up here. Yeah, a little, little bit of a – a little bit of a life moment. Have our third daughter to be born. So we have one wow. four-year-old, one one-year-old daughter, and we'll have our third girl uh, any day now. So uh, that's, you know, when you talk about living in the present, you know, every time I put our two kids to bed, you know, every night, um, it's one last night that we're a family of four. You know, this right. could be the last right. meal of a family of four and what it felt like to be a family of four. So 20 years from now, I can look back and memorialize these moments, you know, um, you know, one thing, do, do you remember the woman, um, she was Australian. Her name was um, Holly Butcher. Do you remember her name? She was about uh, about five years ago, four or five years ago. She passed away of uh, Ewing sarcoma. Um, and she left, a, you know, a, a note to the world about, you know, what it's what life is like in her perspective. And one of the things she said is that the memories that you take with you and the memories that you create for others are the only the two things that you can do, no matter how successful you are or how you know, happy you might think you are. It's the memories that you're creating for yourself and for others that's going to live on. And that's just really what I'm, when I talk about life overall, you know, being in present and no code to me, the code is just understanding where you want to get to in life and living each moment as if you can. No, that's a good point. I mean, you know, with, with family and with friends, I mean, that's, you know, you and I are into our late thirties now and you know, when you when you talk think about your, your family and the people you grew up with, when you when you hang around, you typically talk about, you know, memories that you've created. You know, you, you talk about that time when so and so did this and how funny that was. And 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 really, that's the great stuff in life, you know, and I, and I think that's, you know, probably the biggest challenge of of covid right now for people and their own mental well-being is that you're somewhat limited in your ability to to create those memories right now, you know, or, or you have to do it in a kind of a small circle, you know, rather than uh, kind of going out there and running around like you and I have both done to all kinds of events and gatherings and, and things like that. Um, I mean, that's had to be kind of challenging for you and in, in your role at Freeman, I would imagine with, uh, you know, business development and networking being such a huge part of what you do. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, uh, I think that what happened with a lot of people is that everyone was forced to innovate and change what their expectations are out of themselves. So when you talk about limitations on creating memories, you know, what are the new memories I can create within these parameters that is going to make me feel fulfilled or is going to drive to my why or is going to help my family further, my firm further, you know, so just having the ability to step back and say, okay, what can I do now to innovate? So at the very beginning for me, you know, uh, it was kind of put the brakes on meeting new people, right? Uh, it was help out everyone that I already know that I've established relationships with and just right. check in on them to see, you know, you know, obviously how they're doing. You know, at the very beginning, there was a lot of panic and there was a lot of care for each other. And, you know, even till this day, you're giving someone a call and just, hey, just check in and see how you're doing, what's new. You know, um, that means more than it did in the past, I think. Um, right. But one important thing for me was just creating regularity around, you know, the people I was connecting with, uh, so that we were, you know, just going much deeper with our relationship rather than trying to go wider and shallow. And that's, I think, a big mistake people make is when they talk about, you know, networking and and, and business development is in, I need to acquire as many contacts as I possibly can. 
And if my list just grows of people that I know, then I'm going to be more successful. And, and maybe in the beginning of your uh, networking endeavors, that's important is to grow those, to grow the amount of contacts. But as you grow through, you know, as you know, Tony, it's, it's more the quality than the quantity. So if you already have that, that, that sweat equity and those relationships, you know, make sure you're solidifying them, you know, when you can't go face to face. That's, that's a great point. And I think, you know, to give some people background on, on our relationship, I mean. Oh, yeah. Let's you, you tell the story. <laughs> tell the story, Tony. Let's, let's get deep now. We're, we're, right. we're, you know, ladies and gentlemen, our wheels are in the air. We've reached 10,000 feet. <laughs> Your seatbelt sign is off, and let's go. Here we go. Buckle up. We, so, got, the, we got the real listeners now. If, you've, if you're staying tuned right now and you're still in on this, it's about to get wild. All right, go ahead, yeah. Tony. <laughs> so, so you and I and, and my wife, Jamie, met all the way back in must have been february of 2010 as we were preparing for our wedding in march and we needed like the illest sickest dj around to really keep the party going and we figured you know let's shop around and we don't know anything about this and we came across a company called synergetic sounds and they introduced us to one matt blank and the moment we met, I, I think there might have been like some actual kind of sparks just just popping off in the background there because we knew right away this is the guy, you know. And this I knew right away that I knew right away, Tony, because that that glitch or that that sparks. I think that was a glitch in the matrix because that tell that meeting got us to where we're at today. You know, that's right. <laughs> Having a podcast <laughs> together because you, you because you decided to get married at Carewood Mansion. And That's it just right. so happens that, that we worked our butts off to get recommended by them, you know, and, and do a good job every time we were there. And that led to the to the meeting. And, and what a wedding it was. I will say, folks, I did a lot of weddings in my career. And I still remember very key stories about the, about your wedding that we'll keep off air this time. But maybe for the yeah. maybe for the, the follow up, we'll go deeper on that. Yeah, we could. We could. I mean, look. Did some people just start helping themselves to champagne bottles behind the bar without asking anyone serving them? Sure. Okay, that might have happened. I, don't I mean, know. I might have played a part in, in the song I was playing, you know, called Poppin' Bottles. So I don't know. Maybe that was a little <laughs> bit of a... <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I mean, that, was, that seems like yesterday. But it's, a, you know, when you think about the, the chapters in your life again, that was a complete different chapter for both of us in our lives. And we were able to supersede chapters in our lives because we're growing together and we have the same hunger, you know, to grow, to help each other out. And that's much deeper than, you know... How, how often can you refer somebody, you know, or right, right. how many sponsors uh, are you going to be able to get for this particular event or whatever the case may be? Exactly. So, you know, we, we did that. It was a great night. You know, we shook hands and went our separate ways. And, and you know, about five years later, um, as I was getting into my operational role at, at JLL, we were planning a, an annual winter retreat that we do uh, with the JLL Philadelphia crew. We, typically bring about a hundred people to a particular location. We've done, uh, we've done Bear Creek in Allentown. We've done uh, Congress hall down in Cape May. Just, you know, we pick a spot where we're going to have some privacy for, for the group and, and have a good time. And I was looking for, uh, for a DJ for that event. And, you know, it had been a while since, since we'd connected. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Matt was incredible. I wonder if he's still there. And I figured out if he is, he's probably running the company by now and, and, and not DJing. Um, and, and I reached out and, and obviously found out that you had gone, uh, you know, a different direction with your career. And you were, I, I think you were at Friedman at that time. If not, you were at, 
Where were you just before Friedman? Oh, I was at yeah, event strategy group. I was just there before Friedman. That's when we re reconnected. Right. Yeah. So then shortly after you joined Friedman and, you know, you started inviting me to these networking events and, you know, I really, I had done some networking here and there, you know, in my career leading up to that, but it was more of like, uh, you know, I'm in the commercial real estate field. So it'd be more of like a, a Cornet event or a NAOP event that's industry specific. And, you know, you're just kind of meeting other brokers, you're meeting other project managers, maybe some architects kind of inside industry stuff, but, but you introduced me to this world of, you know, more broad networking where you're connecting with people across all different kinds of companies, you know, whether it's for-profit, non-profit, law firms, you know, uh, accounting, finance, whatever it may be. And when you were talking about that quantity over quality or quality over quantity, rather, um, when I started going to these things with you, I, I was going to everything. You know, I was going to stuff twice a week, you know, two nights a week out, just just hitting the pavement. And for a while, that was working pretty well. But then to your point, at some point, it's like I got to value my time a little bit better than that. I got to be a little more targeted with with really who I want to meet. And then on the other end, like who I can help, you know, Uh, because, you know, you've been to a couple of these things with me. Every once in a while, you strike out and you attend an event and you walk in the room and you realize right away, uh, this isn't the scene, you know. Um, so, so how do you kind of vet that out in terms of, you know, kind of building your approach to really talking to the people you want to talk with in balancing your personal life? You know, you got you'll have three kids coming up soon. You're, uh, you know, making sure you're you're paying attention to the people in your family you need to. How do you sort of. How, how do you reach that balance? Yeah, so it's a, it's a, I don't know. I'm still trying to find out. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, there, there really is no. not a, a great answer for it. I mean, there is always some I think, trial and error to it. You know? I think my, if I'm your, if I'm the audience listening here, I'm thinking, okay, it depends upon where I'm at. Yeah. So like back when you were, you know, you and I were hitting the pavement, if you will, like why be connected was a big thing that we were, that, 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 that we were running that, you know, YB got just a bunch of different people together that all had the same desire to grow because we were all around the same age. We were all leaders in, in our different verticals and, and we would tag team different events with each other. And that's really where the, the uh, official, you know, core group of people formed, right? So if I'm listening and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm looking at my contact list and I don't really have a solid 10 to 15 people, right, uh, you know, um, that I can call on, that I'll answer my phone call or do any favor for me, you know, business and personal, then I want to work on that. That's the strategy. So that's how I have, that's what my focus has to be on. When you get to a point where you have over, you know, 70 or 80, you know, or even a hundred people that, you know, know you well, but that's just too many people to manage all the time. So you really have to make sure that you're, you're keeping the relationships uh, uh, as strong as you can by even doing, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do. Like one, uh, I'm sure I invited you to a couple of them. We hosted a couple of poker games, yep. you know, where every other week I would just send a text out, you know, email a couple of people on my group that I like and are good people. Hey, they don't know each other. So we'd play poker and we'd Zoom at the same time. And a couple of people start to meet each other and who knows where the relationship goes from there. But, you know, to me, creating unique experiences for people now uh, that matter to me are the most important because everything else is dedicated towards you know, the girls I have at home and, and growing our, our, our core family values and everything as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's super important to try to find that balance. I mean, I I can remember, you know, back when we were doing a lot of this stuff and, 
you know, I, I realized I had to have a, sit down and have a conversation with my wife and she's like, you are gone like two to three nights a week. And it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a naggy thing or anything like that, but it was like, you know, I, I don't see you anymore <laughs> on a regular day. You work, you know, you leave the house at seven thirty and you get home at, you know, six or, or later. And then on those other days, you're, you're, you're running out there too. And, and, sometimes you can kind of unconsciously find yourself in that situation where, you know, you're focusing so much on one part of business or your life or whatever. And then you realize you're just like dropping the ball in in other areas, which is, I think a battle that everybody fights. I mean, it's anyone that's out there trying to really make a career for themselves. That's going to be a, a constant struggle. Yeah. It's always like, it's, it's a moving target with that, you know, but I, I look at it from the, for this perspective as, Every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else, right? And every time I say yes to an event, I'm saying no to dinner with my family at home. Or I'm saying yes to my family at home, but I'm saying no to that dinner in the city, Mm -hmm. right? I have to be able to value, is that dinner in the city worth it to a point where I'm going to miss that dinner, you know, at home? Um, You know, and that's one thing with that COVID really showed a lot of people is that, you know, networking is great. uh, And it's definitely great to go out and meet people physically, but you know, I, I think I had 83 or 84 consecutive dinners at home that I've never had with my wife and family. Right. You know, right. I mean, and that's and think about that's that great stuff right there, too. I mean, it, it, you know, so it really is. Um, so when you look at any like any, uh, you know, you could say yes to a million things. Oh, you want to be on this committee? Yes. Great. Oh, you want to take on this extra initiative? Yes. Cool. You want to go to dinner uh, tomorrow night? Yes. Before you know it, your calendar gets so booked up with all these things that you're saying yes to. And you might be saying no to like the more important things that you should be focusing on. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, one thing I've always appreciated um, about you and, and how you network and how you develop business is that, you know, there are a lot of BD people out there in the world that when they approach me, my antenna sort of goes up right away and, and saying like, oh, my gosh, this, this person wants something for me. You know, y- you are very, um, very genuine about it. And I also think you're always looking out for what you can do for other people too. And that is something that I I think I took a little while to learn when I started networking in my mind at first, it was always like, okay, what business can I bring in for JLL? What business can I bring in for, you know, my wife and I run a, a small little side company called lightning financial. Like how can I utilize this relationship to get ahead? And then I quickly realized like, it sometimes works better when you're thinking about it the opposite way. Like, what can I do to help this person? And then something's going to come back for you later, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, that, uh, what's that book? Uh, the Go-Giver? I don't know that Have one. you read The Go-Giver? I'm going to check that out. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good concept of how do you give to others to, to get back. And, you know, it puts you in a stories about a person who was struggling in sales and uh, was able to refer, you know, an opportunity to one of their competitors because it didn't really align completely with, um, you know, with, with their vertical Anyway, he got more in return than he gave, and it worked out in the long run. But that's, that's my whole philosophy when I meet someone new. And, and because it, when you meet someone new for the first time, we've been taught since we were kids, you know, stranger danger, yeah. right? And especially for meeting someone in sales, you know, imagine that feeling, right? If you all close your eyes for a second, imagine that feeling you're walking up a car lot, you know, for the first mm-hmm. time to go check out this new car you're thinking of, and three people bombard you. What can I put you in today, <laughs> right? Your guard goes up because of why. You're, you, you, you have a feeling that someone's going to sell you. AKA 
get one over on you, right? right? So you don't want to get one over on yourself. So you put your guard up to protect yourself. And, and the, the worst salespeople, you know, come in and don't, uh, aren't, aren't aware of that, that, that wall that's up. So frankly, you know, and this is what I do in my training programs is I help a lot of people understand how do you take that other person, that stranger, and organically and authentically lower their walls so that they trust you and they like you. And now they've bought into you and seeing you to want to see you be successful. And the only way to do that is to be genuine and, and, and being with the right people who truly do align with you, but then helping them, you know, if, if you're going to ask for things, you know, you got to be able to, you got to, you got to pay your ticket to entry, you know? So if there's a dance of referrals that you're looking to get involved, someone's got to lead that dance. And who better than you to be the person that leads it? Right. You know? Yeah, that makes total and sense. And you're a good dancer from what I remember, Tony. So, you know, you know how to dance. You know, the, the whole Juliano crew, when they get out on the dance floor, something happens, you know? If you've ever seen... As you said to Jill, <laughs> So, as you said to the Juliano crew, I just envisioned you, your brothers, and your dad in, like, velour jumpsuits, <laughs> just with, like, roller skates, just shuffle skating all on the same kind of beat. <laughs> well, there's there's some really great uh, video clips from uh, my dad, the great Phil Giuliano, chief marketing officer of Twin River Worldwide Holdings. Um, he probably Big doesn't want to call out his company name as I tell these stories. But, you know, before Eagles games in the, uh, the tailgate across from uh, Citizens Bank Park, he's been known to really go pretty hard out there on the dance floor prior to Eagles games. And, and he always draws a lot of attention too, because his moves are, I mean, the guy was born in 1947. His moves are really out of the, the Motown era, you know? So yeah. yeah. The of, Bristol stomp. I got it. Yeah. It's a lot of hand gesturing. And it's a lot of strange faces too. <laughs> so he throws that in the mix as well. But, do you think he can go down this weekend and maybe just go on outside? I don't know, you know, broad and just do his little <laughs> dance and maybe give the Eagles some luck. <laughs> We should set him up out there because something's got to shake this uh, morose, uh, you know, this uh, malaise rather that the, the birds are in right now. You know, he could be the difference. That could be the difference. He could really set the whole thing off. But, um, yeah, I, I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe Phil can spark some life into these guys. Um, but getting back to uh, getting back to networking with um, in terms of referrals too, like, what what I think is great is that, you know, you don't approach every relationship the same way in terms of like, like you and I have done business together back and forth between Friedman and J JLL, but you know, not a ton, just a couple small things here and there, but we're constant, constantly introducing each other to other people in our networks that can benefit uh, ourselves individually. So it doesn't always have to be this, you know, kind of direct back and forth referral and nor do you really have to, to keep score, nor should you keep score on, you know, kind of who's doing what when it's really a genuine relationship. Um, you know, do you feel the same way about that? And do you have a lot of other people in your network where, where it's a similar situation? Yeah. I think everybody at the time that we're at now that understands the way, you know, the, the way to help each other and, you know, looking for opportunities for each other. Cause if, if I'm on your team, right, and, and you're, you know, out somewhere and someone complains about their accountant, you know, you're going to think of me. You're going to say, hey, you know, you should call my friend Matt. You know, I'm not an accountant, but you trust me enough that you know that my firm's going to do a good job and I'm going to take care of that person. So I think from the referral point of view, it comes back to that, like, hospitality mindset that if I have an opportunity to refer, I want to make sure whoever that person is is really, truly going to benefit, you know, from this person I'm introducing them to, that there's mutual benefit. They can help each other. And, and making sure that it's vetted too, you know, I, too many times people make that mistake in my opinion, where you'll just 
blindly get an introduction to somebody <laughs> and yeah, yeah. you know it's like hey matt uh, hey john i thought you guys would know it like each other because you you know you you've been to the same restaurant once um right. so um you guys can just take it from here and uh, you know you feel bad because you want that other person's first impression of you to be good you know but you might be swamped with a million other things and you can't just get back to that person right away so how do you qualify you know a good introduction of where when you know, so to make sure that you're, you know, that, that, that those two people that you're putting together, it's like you're planting a seed, right? So you want that seed to be successful. You got to set it up in the right way, you know? Um, so for me, the, 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 the layers of the intricacies of referrals and relationships, all of it comes together and how good you can convey to the other person that you're adding value all the time and just keep earning your spot on their team so that when the opportunity comes up that they have a chance to do it, refer you, then they will. Yeah, and and I always ask permission too before you connect people. I, I'll I'll be honest, I, I was guilty of that a couple of times, just like Ooh. in the haste of kind of moving through emails, and I have somebody reach out and say, "Oh, hey, can I reach out to your brother and and who's in the hotel business?" And you know, we we do this and that, and sometimes I just uh, like, "Yeah, here, you know, here's his contact info," <laughs> and then you find out like, "Oh man, you know, I get a call or a text from him saying, what are you doing to me here?'" You know, we yeah. already work with this group, and I can't deal with this person or whatever. So I, I, I've made that misstep a couple of times, but, but I think you're really great about that. Like you, you make sure you always kind of clear it first and, and you never get an unsolicited, uh, you know, reach out from somebody when, when you just don't have either the time or, or the desire to kind of deal with that person. Yeah. And, and I, the only reason I got to a point because someone taught me, right. You know, right, uh, right. and they, they were, they politely told me like in a non I'm big time in this person kind of way that they just got too many things to worry about that they can't, you know, they're not gonna be able to talk to this person because it's going to cost them again, time away from something else that their brain can go on. You know, you're only right. allotted so much time. So how do you spend that time, you know, and you want to help as many people as you can, but there's only so much you can focus on at one given time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know? For sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's everybody's challenge is like you said in the beginning, it, time's the, the only, uh, really the only super valuable thing we have when you think about it. Um, so let's, um, kind of pivot into, um, you know, you're, you're getting into some new areas with Friedman right now, and I know you're excited about it. So I want to make sure we, we get to it. Um, you're starting to get into the coaching and the sort of business development advisory business, which I know you've, you know, obviously you've done in the past, just kind of informally through your network, but talk to me about what you're bringing to Friedman, what you guys are looking to set up and, and, you know, what kind of opportunities you're going to be uh, searching for on that. Sure. sure. Thanks, man. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies that we're speaking to are, are doubling down and investing in their sales teams, you know, to help their people be successful. Um, and, and a lot of people are trying to also give newer tools, soft skills tools to people who are not in sales, but have a sales element to their role. Because, you know, when you're, when you're an employee of a company, whether you're at a law firm or a, a manufacturing plant, you're, you know, whatever, a not-for-profit, you're an ambassador of that organization. And if you can have, uh, you know, the right elevator pitch to say, the right mindset when you're walking into a situation, you can uh, be a better conveyor of your company's message and your message to the world. So I've always been passionate about it. I mean, back when I was even DJing, you know, like we would, we would find, you know, great people that were great employees and we would teach them how to DJ. And then I would teach them how to sit across from a bride and groom and convince them that they were the best option to DJ their wedding, you know, right. and, and the confidence that these, these, and we were kids at the time, you know, uh, that they had to, to sit down in those meetings, um, was really my first really taste of 
training. And when I saw like, you know, one of our DJs run out of a room after he closed that opportunity, how excited he was, you know, like that got me fired up. Um, so right. like with Friedman, I, I developed our, uh, our Friedman University program, which is our internal training program to give our next generation leaders more uh, uh, soft skills trainings uh, to help them be a better business developer. And it really starts, the whole thing starts with their, their mindset, you know, and what are they trying to apply and what goals do they want to set for themselves? Why are they doing what they're doing? So and now I'm going in and helping companies build out their own training programs, uh, come in as a speaker to help them or even coach one-on-one or a group of people, you know, through some of the content that I've developed that, that, that is, is, is pretty experiential and, and hopefully life-changing for these people. Yeah, and that's that's really uh, that's really great that Friedman is taking the view that they're taking on it. Where, you know, a lot of companies that are advisory, tax, auditing would say, uh, "Let's let's stay in our box, let's stay in our lane." They seem to be, you know, kind of broadening their horizons with allowing you to do this and giving you the creative freedom uh, to go make it happen. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, Friedman cares about helping people as many people right. as we can help. So even if one of our own clients is is having troubles or is considering how they're going to help develop their team, you know, we want to be there to help them in that situation. So, you know, uh, for me, that's the number one thing is how many people can I help? Well, you know, for me, this is something I love to do and I'm, and people told me I'm good at it. Uh, so I'm still, still working on to be great at it. Um, but it's a good opportunity for them to give me, have the confidence in me to do it because, you know, there's, there's so many messages that you can get out to people and, and which ones do you choose to be the most important? And, and for me, it's, it's, it's how can we help people be more successful when they're, you know, developing a relationship with someone out of thin air? Yeah, and that's, that's a, it's a really great service, but I, I like the angle you're taking on it too, where you're working with people that are not strictly just salespeople. Um, you know, salespeople that are really good have, you know, a lot of them have the right mindset. They know that they've got to make a lot of calls. They've got to set meetings. They've got to be aggressive. You know, I'm sure there's plenty that you can teach them too, but the way I view it, um, you know, if you work for a particular company and you carry a business card, you know, you're, you're an ambassador of that, that brand of that company. And there's no reason why you can't sell. There's no reason why you can't develop relationships. Um, especially as you know, the economy is faced with some challenges right now uh, with COVID is you know, relationships are more important than ever. And if somebody's in a situation where they work for, you know, a service company and they're maybe they lost some clients at the at the platform level and you're worried about your job, well, there's no reason why you can't go out there and source another client to, to keep you going, you know? Um, yeah, I agree. I think the people that, that are, you know, sometimes worry about what the next best thing to say is or don't have the confidence to take them, take the conversation to another level, you know, where, where they might have a, a conversation with someone and they might always feel that the conversation kind of ends flat and there's no next steps out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, so they, they typically avoid that situation because it's uncomfortable. So it's, it's those groups of people that, you know, have the ability. They're great technically at what they do, but want to have some help in being able to uh, uh, authentically have and conduct a conversation driving towards the desired behavior that they want out of the other party. Right. And, right. and, and you know, we talk about uh, one of the things for me, it's really cool is the is. I look at business development also, I know we're going on a right-hand turn here, but uh, as more of a conversational sport, you know, uh, and you, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that this answer is yes, but you're a Giuliano. Let's see. Did you own a ping pong table at one point in your life? Absolutely. Okay. So you were probably really, really good at, at ping pong. 
I got really good at ping pong and really good at pool because we had both uh, tables downstairs in the in the Phil Giuliano basement. Yes. Wait, were they two separate tables or was it a pool no. table with a ping pong top? They, yeah, they had the ping pong top on top of the pool table. I was going to say because that's a that's a massive waste of space. If you just have, <laughs> <laughs> you just yeah, got yeah. two of the that's just what a what a waste of a basement. Um, we were efficient. We were efficient. very efficient. I had the same thing in, in my house in Northeast Philly, um, and we I, ha- I bought the pool table, and the guy's like, "Hey, for an extra forty bucks, do you want the ping pong top?" I was like. Hell yeah, I want the ping pong top. And we played more ping pong and we did pull. Um, but what, real quick, before you get to, not to break your train of thought, but before you get to your, your point, the other game we played down in that basement, we called Armando Benitez Baseball. And it was, he was a former relief pitcher, I think for the Orioles, I'm going to say. Threw really hard. He was super wild. So the game was typically me and my brother pegging each other with uh plastic uh wiffle ball as hard as we possibly could um <laughs> from about 20 feet away so that was the other game we played down there uh it sounds like a pretty good game that i'm gonna have to learn at some point <laughs> yeah only so. only your brother I, I can envision this in your basement i'm probably I'm playing foot hockey and whatever else you guys had going on down there yeah that's funny <laughs> so what i was saying was with the with the conversational sport and ping pong is that you know an amateur ping pong player right someone who just picks up a, a paddle the, the goal of the game there is to just keep the ball on the table, right? Back and forth, back and forth. And that's like with someone who's not comfortable having conversations, a goal of their mind should be to just keeping the conversation going. How can they keep the ball on the table? But then as you, as you gain confidence in your swing and ping pong, you also gain confidence in how you're going to spin the ball or eventually set up your opponent so that, you know, he or she is going one way and you hit the ball the other way, right? To win the, to win the point. Well, the same thing goes in business development to a point when you're in that kind of sales conversation is you know understanding where you want the direction of the conversation to go and slowly getting the ball to go that direction so that you know that when that person exposes what what their challenges are now you're the ability to present solutions for them and nine times out of ten it's not the solution that is your solution that you're offering it's somebody else but if you if you if you place yourself as that problem solver for them you know and and are able to conduct the conversation very fluently you'll get to that point and that's when you truly start adding value to people is when you can, you know, keep the ball on the table with them, have good conversation. And all of a sudden a friendly game turns into a fight between brothers in the basement. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the analogy is pretty good. I'm not so sure about the end part there. I mean, you know, but yeah, no, I, was, I was related back to your, your baseball game that you played <laughs> out there in your basement. Armando, <laughs> Armando Benitez baseball. Yeah. Do you My still have boss. the, do you still have the baseball card I sent you? I do. I do. I was looking at it the other day. I was I was uh, moving something around in my uh, office. I'm like, oh, here's the here's the Don Mattingly card. You Good should job. tell that story. We should yeah, we should, should tell that story to end this up. Do you want to wrap it up with that? We, can, yeah, we should wrap. I want to I want to make a series of episodes <laughs> with you. I mean, I want to do number one, number hundred, and you know. So once you get to the hundredth episode, no, I hope hopefully you have more episodes that I can be on because I have so we have so much more to tell. Yeah, but I, I do want to tell that story real quick. So I, I, I'm, I'm sure I can call out the gentleman who was involved in that, too. He'd probably appreciate it, I think. Right? Uh, who knows? I mean, yeah, take a shot. It's your show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, um, there's uh, a, a common friend uh, that Matt and I have, a guy named Tony Laprie, really great guy, Atlanta County fellow that, uh, you know, my dad knew from back in the day and I've gotten to know over the years. And uh, um I posted something on Facebook. Uh, it was a response, I think, to something you had out there, if I'm not mistaken, that said, um, you know, I would give anyone a piece of JLL business if they sent me a Don Mattingly rookie card. And 
I'm sitting in my office one day up at 1650 Arch, and I see an envelope addressed to me, and I don't even think it had a sender name on it. I opened it up. And of course, I, I like to open up weird packages, you know, because you know, <laughs> no what's fear. the risk? You know, Nobody's coming so, after you, <laughs> at least not that I, way. I open it up, and it's a handwritten note from Tony, Tony Lepree with a, a Don Mattingly rookie card in there. Tony is the man. I said, you know what, Tony, let's go get some lunch. And uh, we, we've had some good conversations and nothing's happened yet, but I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm sure something at some point would happen. And then and then you followed it up, of course, after loving that story with sending me uh, sending me a, another Don Mattingly card as well to the house, which was which was pretty funny. But, Tony uh, took the lead on that one. And, and, and yeah. you remember that remember that uh, that line I said earlier, life ain't a dress rehearsal. Yep. Tony's the one that's, that told me that. He, I remember we were having oh, a conversation yeah. just in passing. The last thing he said to me as the conversation. And I said, all right, thanks. And he goes, hey, remember, life ain't a dress rehearsal, kid. I was like, <laughs> I like you, See, that's, Tony. That's the wisdom of a, a, He's a, real, a great guy. guy from Atlanta County. Great and, guy. Uh, the best of them are named Tony, as you know. So, that's right. That's right. Um, but listen, uh, Matt, I, I, I really appreciate your time here. I know we're up against the, uh, the end here. You got to you got to run and take care of your. Uh, Wife and two daughters, soon to be three, but um, very or be or be two minutes late to. I don't want to be two minutes late to my Zoom call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I really very much appreciate it. You are season one, episode one, featured guest of the No Code Podcast, and it has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Pleasure is all mine, sir. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. We will catch up again soon, and, and I'm sure I'll have you on uh, very soon because I just don't have that many guests lined up yet. So have to be a, <laughs> well, maybe number in five, the air. 10, 20, and, and 100, you know. We'll get there. I want to be a piece along the way. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. All right, dude. Much appreciated. Take care. Thanks, Thank everybody, you. for listening. See you later. Bye-bye.